our our home church was going through a pretty uh, well. Let's just say it ended up splitting about four ways shortly <laughs> shortly after this time. But went through it was going through a rough time, and we we had moved our membership out uh, to one of our little churches we had started. And uh, in the process, the Lord very quickly moved our ministry in about three years from what they used to call the Evangelist Trail, which is like Michigan to Florida and some variation thereof, uh, out to the western states. We had an open door, ended up going to the western states, quickly realized we'd much rather be in the west. And uh, we were going to churches where they had never had uh, so much as a visiting preacher. I don't know if you can grasp that, but literally had never had so much as a visiting preacher, much less a visiting singing group, which we weren't all that great. But anyways, anyways, and the Lord uh, introduced us to Eastside Baptist Church and Pastor Phil Spencer. We ended up moving there uh, shortly after Dane and I got married, like a couple months after Dane and I got married. And Brother Spencer was our pastor for almost... Uh, nine years there Uh, his story is I don't know why the Lord keeps putting me in with these Ohio people I'm just not sure about that just you know Michigan fan all the way but uh, he grew up in Ohio and went to Arlington Baptist does anybody know that college Arlington Baptist Brother Chester does I'm sure Uh, met his wife there and upon graduation went to Sioux Falls as an assistant like I think like the bus guy and the school guy and the youth guy and, you know, just an assistant. And he was there for five years and the pastor uh, left to move on to another ministry. And five years out of Bible college, he became the senior pastor and continued there as senior pastor for 35 years. So uh, was a blessing to us. This is where some of you might know Jason Jett, uh, Brother Jason Jett now, who worked for Wayne Hardy. He's now the pastor there uh, at Eastside. Uh, but now... Uh, he gets to enjoy being a grandpa uh, by some of his kids down in El Paso with his son-in-law, where his son-in-law pastors Hillcrest Baptist Church. Uh, Joe Dickinson, his wife, his wife Tish, sorry, Tishy is what I always called her, but now it's <clears throat> Mrs. Dickinson, um, but is, is Brother Spencer's daughter. And I sure appreciate him filling, up, filling in. And as some of you know, uh, I say filling in, but this is, uh, this is just a win for me, honestly, as Dr. House is. We talked all the way uh, from the airport, and he doesn't fly out till late later, t- about 3 in the- tomorrow, and we're going to be doing some more talking. And, yes, I'm going to show him some sights, but it's good to see him. We realize we haven't seen each other for how long did you think it was since I was at Heartland? So that's 17 years? Seriously? Wow. It does seem like it, but anyways. So I'm going to sing a couple songs, one this morning and one tonight, that he's familiar with. Some of you all have heard me sing them a hundred times, I'm sure, so um, it's all right. You get to hear them again, okay? Amen. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to put up with it for him, all right? So. It's a well of pure water when I'm thirsty and dry Bread when I'm hungry and warm When the battle is raging, it's my faithful sword A shelter from life's troubled storms It's a light to my pathway and a lamp to my feet When the world gets so dark you can't see And I've not made a change in one word that it says But it's sure made a change in me This blessed old book that I hold in my hand Is true from beginning to end It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin When I think what it cost just to hold in my hand It reminds me that I owe a great debt To all of the martyrs who My brain just went dead Died at stake And quoted with their dying breath 
now its critics are many and believers are few. But one thing I've found to be true, if you find when you read it that there's something wrong, well, there's something wrong with you. This blessed old book that I hold in my hand is true from beginning to end. It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin. This blessed old book that I hold in my hand is true from beginning to end. It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin. Yes, sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin. wires head and it never happens okay well I hope my wife was able to watch that um, she's back home in El Paso and not uh, feeling the best and had to today from church and she was going to try to watch the service and if she got to watch that that was that was a blessing praise the Lord thank you for singing that I do appreciate it so much lots of good memories of the Knutson family uh, I mean every time they would come back home it was just such a blessing because either their trailer or their truck had broken down and had limped, all, seriously, went limped all the way back in from Canada or Wyoming or from somewhere. And, we, and it was always 20 below zero in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <clears throat> Does anybody know what a black tank is on a trailer? Seriously? Who knows? Uh, at 20 below, guess what happens to uh, uh, any tank underneath a... Uh, a trailer, that thing froze up, and they, they needed, uh, we went and got, I think it's called a Nipco heater. It's one of those propane things you can just blow on that thing for like 12 hours. Thought, thawed that thing out and went to the right place with that stuff, right? Amen? Uh, we, had, uh, we had some wonderful, wonderful times, um, and God just kept them on the road with those vehicles. He really did. But their ministry, if you could just talk to the pastors out in those little towns was tremendous it did a lot for them God used them a lot I felt so humbled that when they came and talked to me his dad and he's like we're we're thinking about joining your church and I'm like really our church and it was it was such a shock to me and and a blessing and it uh, brought back a lot of great memories thanks for singing that and you're welcome to Sing as many as those as you would and as many brain fades as you can come up with. Make me feel good when, uh, when you get a brain lock. What do you call that, a brain lock? That's, uh, I appreciated that. Well, Jerome Bible Baptist Church, it's a blessing to be here. I've got to meet, I think I got to meet most of you. Uh, I don't remember most of your names. I know there's some Californians here uh, and some other folks. That, uh, most of us here are transplants, aren't we? How many are born and raised here? Let me see your hand. Born and, wow, a lot more than I figured did. All right, so maybe about half and half. But uh, it's really a blessing coming into town. I, I love the building. It's beautiful. I want to see the Quonset. Is that what we call the other building next door or something like that? And uh, so uh, 76 years, nobody here has been here all those years, have you? Seriously, who was here from the beginning? At the beginning. You guys were here from the very beginning. At, okay. Okay, at, you were here at the beginning. You must have been in the nursery, is my guess, 76 years ago. That's something else. You know, I was thinking of a verse, uh, Matthew 16, 18, and um, Jesus said, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, he's not talking about Peter being the rock, but the fact that Christ is the son of the living God. And on that rock, I will build my church. And you know what the next line is? 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Which means as God's church goes out and uh, does the work of God, Satan trying to stand up against what God's people are trying to do won't be able to withstand what God's people do in the name and in the power of God. And this church is testament to that. And it just really uh, blesses my heart to see a church that's been here this long and uh, really a blessing to be here today. Uh, You can be opening your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, if you will. Luke chapter 7. You get there, somebody say amen. amen. Okay, three of us are there so far. And a few more than that. Hey, I saw somebody signing over here. You know sign language? Apparently, you used to sign for the deaf, I'm guessing. Somewhere along the way. Our church in Sioux Falls had a, a deaf ministry. And it was the most unique deaf ministry. Uh, we'd start off with two or three deaf in, in the service. And the lady be up here um, translating, right? Is that what they call it? Translating for the deaf. And we'd start off with about... Oh, three deaf. Before you knew it, the whole congregation was deaf. (laughs) Or at least it seemed like they were, trying to get them to pay attention and listen to what you had to say. That was a blessing to see somebody signing there. Hey, how many of you came last night to the mealtime? That was a blessing. Thank you so much for that wonderful meal. Um, There's nothing like eating a gallon of food, then going home and going to bed, and, and waking up and just feeling right on top of the world, right? <clears throat> but that was, that was dynamite, and I sure did enjoy that. I, um, I have hypoglycemia. Does anybody here know what hypoglycemia is? Does anybody here have hypoglycemia? So one of the things I got to do before I preach, and I did this for 30 years in Sioux Falls, right before I'd step in the pulpit, I had been in my office, and I would be eating peanut butter. Because peanut butter, it's got a little bit of sugar in it. Praise the Lord. I don't like that just plain peanut butter stuff, they call it in the stores. Got to have a little bit of sugar in it. But then the protein will level your sugar levels off and kind of carry you on through the service. And so um, I would come in licking my lips uh, with peanut butter all over them and trying not to shake hands with too many people after I'd eaten my peanut butter. And uh, people would come by the office there and they'd say, Preacher, you about ready to come in and preach? And I'd always tell them, I'll be ready in a jiff because I had just finished eating them. My peanut butter. Well, Miss Dana, I, uh, she found out that I uh, needed some peanut butter, and she bought me some Skippy. So I'm not going to be done in a jiff up here, guys, today. I might be just skipping along as long as I can go. Amen. I'm just kidding. So um, I prayed real sincerely about what to preach uh, coming here, uh, an anniversary service, and people that have just been here for figuratively speaking. You've been here for a hundred years, man. This church has just been around and no doubt your church's name is well known in the town, I'm guessing. And uh, folks have seen this building here. Is this the original site? 76 kind of? 1947 in the Quonset. Okay. People have to know that you're, you're here and uh, what a name that's been out for such a long time. It's a testament to uh, folks that love the Lord and want to want to do the work of God. And I would just challenge you today, just determine, I, I'm here till the rapture, amen, or until God takes me out uh, before that. And I want to serve him with everything I've got. And uh, you know, guys, we get one lifetime, just one lifetime. This is it. And, and I don't want to get to heaven and look backwards at uh, what my life was like here and say, if I had only, you know, I don't want to do that. I've got the time right now to do everything that God wants me to do in this lifetime, amen? So let's put it in high gear and give God everything we have for these next several years. I was looking at uh, this story. God so spoke to my heart, convicted me in Luke chapter 7. And I want to preach a message today, uh, and I'm entitling it, The Neglected Motivation, God's Grace. And I'm going to try to draw that out as we go through our... um, message here today. But when you look at Luke 7, we're not going to read the entire chapter, way long. Uh, But I want you to look, I'm going to jump around to a couple of places, just so you can know and be reminded of what was in this chapter. Because when we get down to where I want to be uh, today, I think it'll help make a little more sense what happened, okay? I look in verse 2, 
It says there was a centurion servant who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. You can look back up here. Jesus goes to heal him, and the centurion says, I'm not worthy you come under my roof. Uh, Just say the word, and I know you can heal my servant just with the word. And he was healed. And Jesus said, man, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Uh, Jump on down to verse 11. Verse 11 says, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, however you would pronounce that. And many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Look back up here. How many of you remember the story of what happens after this? In the city of Nain, there was a widow, and they were coming out of the city with a large group of people. It was a funeral procession. Christ was coming with his group of people, and two crowds of people met together. Jesus sees the widow woman weeping and crying over her only son that had passed away. He comes and puts his hand on the beer, they called it, or the casket. And he spoke to the dead man, and he sat up in the casket. And Jesus presented that man to his mother. Would you like to have been to that funeral? I think it would have cleared the house. I'm not kidding. That dead guy sits up and starts talking. But, oh, man, the fame of Jesus went throughout that whole place. Amen? Uh, What a testimony. Um, Jump down to verse 19. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come? Or look we for another? And what happens after that is Jesus just performs one miracle after another. Uh, The blind are able to see. The deaf are able to hear. The dead were raised, which we heard about already. And several things happened. And he told uh, John's disciples, go and tell John what you've seen and how, basically how can you say this isn't the Christ. And so many wonderful things have happened in this chapter. But imagine if you could have walked with Jesus through this day. Wow, what a day this would have been to be alive and to be walking alongside of Jesus Christ. Imagine the people that might have been seeing it from the beginning of the morning, possibly if this was happening all in one day, and what they must have been thinking, man, i got to walk with this guy. I want to see what else is going to happen with this guy called Jesus. And watching all the things that happened and how it must have spoke to their heart. So drop down with me. Let's see. First of all, look in verse 16. Look at verse 16 real quick. Uh, It says, And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying, that a great prophet is risen up among, among us, um, and that God hath visited his people. Th- that's a tremendous statement, guys. And that's what everybody is thinking while they're watching all these things happen. But you drop down to verse 17. Um, well, and this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and through all the region round about. And then verse 30. Drop down to verse 30, and then we'll get to where I want to be. Verse 30. But the Pharisees and lawyers, I, I, I can't get this, rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. In other words, in spite of everything they'd heard and everything they had seen, they just couldn't accept that this was really the great Messiah. He breaks too many of our laws, and, uh, and it was just something that was disgusting to them. But in spite of that, look at our story in verse, beginning in verse 36. In verse 36, it says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. I'm just assuming it's one of those guys that still had a problem with Jesus, but somehow, some way, had some compulsion to invite Christ to come home and eat with him. Look in verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. I hope you have a good imagination, guys. Let your mind wander as you're reading this, okay? And stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it. Notice this. He spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. 
And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, now he has no idea. Jesus read every word that he just said in his heart, okay? But Jesus says unto this Pharisee named Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and gavest me, thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. This woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. because She didn't feel worthy of anointing the head of someone as great as Christ. Verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven. You need to notice that wording. They are forgiven already at this time. Forgiven. For she loved much. Now, let me hit a pause button real quick. Everybody, can you look up here? He's not saying because she did so many things for me, She's, she's now forgiven. Because she loves so much, well, I'm going to go ahead and forgive her. Otherwise, that'd be salvation by what? By works. And we know better than that, right? Salvation is by the grace of God. Uh, so, what he's saying is the evidence that she's already forgiven is the fact that she loved me so much. Don't miss that. Now, let's start verse 47 again. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now remember, he's talking to the Pharisee. Now how many things did the Pharisee do for him? Pretty much just had him over for supper. And that's it. Not one evidence of his gratitude to the Savior. And I, I think that the finger was pointing right back at the Pharisee when he said, uh, the, those who have been forgiven little, you know, love little. So, now verse 48. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? Anybody here say, I know who he is. And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. And let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Sure is good to be in church today. What an honor for me to be able to come to a church like this, Lord, 76 years you've had your hand upon this congregation, and I have no doubt, Lord, you have every intent <clears throat> to allow this church to exist until the rapture comes, and I pray your blessing will be upon them today. God in heaven, you know my prayers, you know my desire, I'm asking that you'll bless your word today and meet our needs, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. I asked Brother Tim if this was a community glass. Did the song director and Brother Tim and now me, all three, uh, drink from the glass? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to see which side your lips were on, this side or that side, and I went on the other side. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Not long before she died in 1988, in a moment of surprising candor on television, Marganita Lasky, I don't know if anybody's ever heard the name or read any of her works, but one of our best known secular humanists and novelists said, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. That struck me when I read that. But what she didn't realize, she had somebody that would forgive her. She just did not turn to him. And oh, the joy that comes into your heart when you come to know the Lord. How many of you know the Lord today? On your way to heaven, I would say, praise God for what Jesus has done for me. It's sad when people like that don't know the Lord. Let me talk to you. Let's walk through this a little bit here this morning. Try to stay with me. Um, let's talk, first of all, about the drama that was created by this woman. And it was a drama class. 
uh, if you'd have been in the Pharisee's house. First of all, <clears throat> this scene takes place in the house of a Pharisee. Everybody understands what a Pharisee is and what they're like. I mean, uh, these are the guys that observed the, uh, the, the Jewish law to a T. They were part of what they called a brotherhood. And for you to be a part of this brotherhood, you had to take a pledge in front of three different witnesses that they would spend their entire lives observing every detail of the scribal law. I'm, they're going to we call these people today, they're, they're black and white people. They, life is black and white. These are the rules, and if this is what the rules say, this is what we're supposed to do. There's not a lot of gray area with the black and white people. Is anybody married to one of those <laughs> and willing to admit that? Um, and, man, if they saw something wrong, they were just going to call it out. It was just in them to show what's right and what's wrong. And man, they spent their whole life trying to take Jesus down because of that. So you can just imagine how this Pharisee, uh, how his antennas went straight up when this woman, you know, with the kind of reputation she had, she was a woman on the street. You understand that? She was a harlot. She was one that had a horrible reputation. And I have an idea. Many men in that town knew her very well, sadly, with good reason. And that's, I think that's important to remember as we walk through this. So the possibility exists, the reason this woman, what's she doing walking into a Pharisee's house? A harlot. Well, I've read a lot of commentaries on it, and some of them believe that this Pharisee must have known her pretty good for her to just have the liberty to come walking right into his house. We don't know that for sure, but for some reason, she had great liberty to walk into where all these Pharisees are, these judgmental guys that that's their job to do. And here she walks in, the darkest lady in town, knowing the kind of house she was walking into. Can you imagine what all the Pharisees probably did? And how their eyeballs lit up and their eyebrows raised. How they kind of sat up a little bit and stared at her a little bit. It was quite a scene. It was a drama class. I, I've got an idea. So, can you imagine what it must have been like for the woman? with her reputation, I want you to get this, to come walking into a room of what was considered honorable men in that day. Imagine what that was like for her to do that. And she knew what those guys were like. And she knew what they would be thinking. Okay? But the, the awkwardness of coming into this Pharisee's house, guys, don't miss this. It was overcome by her overwhelming love for the Savior. Uh, that was what was foremost on her mind. I know it could have been a bit intimidating to some, but not to this woman, because she only had her focus on one person. She wasn't focused on all the eyes that were criticizing her. She had her eyes only on the Lord. You know, it's highly possible that I was thinking about this, and I was trying to show you all the things that had happened throughout a day's time. It's possible that this woman had seen the crowds throughout the day, had walked alongside of them, had heard the stories that Jesus told, had seen the miracles that he did, and heard a story about every one of your sins can be taken away, and she looking at herself thinking, not somebody like me. And then she went on maybe to the next scene and saw what else he did at a funeral service and what he did with a centurion servant and just realized the greatness and the majesty and the power of someone like him and this overwhelming conviction of who she was and who she could be could have just slipped all over her and she just in her heart turned to the one that's got to be the long-awaited Messiah and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and got saved. Personally, I believe that happened. And I believe when she came walking into the house of the Pharisees, she was no longer the woman on the street, but the one that knew the Lord as her Savior. And it was overwhelming to her that he was in this room, and I know where he's at, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to him. And, and, and she's come with this overwhelming love and gratitude in her heart. Can you imagine a woman like that, guys, going home at night, Prior to salvation, little kids seeing her come walking in the house. Kids asking her, Mommy, where were you tonight? Why didn't you come home last night? Kids, just go, just go on now and do, do your own things. I, I don't know if she could have been married. I don't know. But can you imagine the guilt 
and the ugliness that was in this woman's heart. And now the, the great gratitude that she had as she came walking in uh, and, and approached the one who had paid such an exorbitant price or would soon pay such a price for her sin. I mean, guys, uh, <clears throat> what a lesson to us here today, to the weak and beggarly Christian who just might not feel so worthy of approaching so lofty, so holy a God as Jesus. Uh, you need to know that Jesus welcomes everybody into his presence. And I don't know what you may feel like uh, if, you, hey preacher, if you really knew what I am like or if you know what happened to me in my past and, and if you knew the things that I've said and the things that I've done in my life, you'd understand why I feel so guilty about approaching a holy God. It's hard enough for me just to come into the house of God, much less come and approach Him and bow down and worship Him and thank Him for what He's done for me. I'm here to tell you, Jesus welcomes Everybody, because what he has will wipe my sin away as if it had never been there before. Praise the Lord. Now you can walk around with the sin in your own heart and say, well, I've got to bear this the rest of my life. Or you can recognize that Jesus has washed it away. If you've been, if you've been saved, it's as far as the east is from the west, which is immeasurable. It's behind his back. It's in the deepest sea, and it's not in his mind ever again. Praise the Lord. You can approach a God like that and bow down to him with such a humble heart for what God has done for someone like me. By the way, guys, it would do you good to remember we don't approach him on our goodness anyway. We don't come to Jesus based on how good I've been uh, and the things that I've done so good in this life. You can only approach Jesus based on who Jesus is himself. Somebody that loves the wretched sinner. You know, I don't know if there's possibly somebody here today, and I'm kind of poking into our hearts a little bit, amen? I don't know if there's someone here today who's afraid that if I actually made a decision for Jesus, I'm afraid of who I might offend in this life. Now, wait a minute. Here's that sinner woman walking in a group of Pharisees. She could have said... Man, I don't know what that guy's going to think. Simon's going to, he knows what I've been like in the past. And all of his friends and buddies sit around and talk about me all the time anyway. And, uh, and, and she, she, you know, she could have felt a, a, a guilt like that. And she could have just said, you know, I just don't want to walk in and be offensive like that. But I'm telling you, she so far overlooked all of that and kept her eye on somebody else. And I don't know, hey, are you listening? I don't know if there's somebody in your life that if you really stepped out, and made a real decision, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to give him everything I've got. Uh, I've had people tell me, I just can't do this, get saved, because of what my, uh, what my so-and-so would think about me. Or I just can't come back to your Baptist church because of the church I grew up in, and my mother would think this about me. Guys, we got our eyes on people too much, and not on the one who's done so much for us. And when you come to the house of God, and when you come to church, Whose eyes are you focused on? Uh, who, who do you think about when you walk into the house of God? The one that did so much for you or what others may be thinking about me or what I'm thinking about them? And I, and I, I appreciate the, the attitude of the woman that was willing to shove aside all those possible critical thoughts about her and put her eyes on the only one that she wanted to get to to show her love and gratitude to. She walked in with all eyes on her. But she was not concerned with who was watching her, but rather with who she was watching. Many will reject the offer of Christ to come and find rest for their souls. Again, all because of some judgmental relative or a friend that stands in the way, maybe a spouse, who knows. But friend, don't let some earthly acquaintance prevent your coming to Christ with all your heart and soul and laying my life out before God. Guys, get your focus in the right place and make your move toward the Lord. I got to tell you, some of the actions of that woman in front of all those men are some of the most humbling that I can read about in all of the Bible. It humbles me to think about what that woman did in the first place. <clears throat> walking into that room and seeing the one that had washed away all the guilt and the filth of her life. And she's overcome by that. She stands behind him weeping so uh, heavily that it's enough to wash the feet of a man that had been walking on the streets with just sandals on. And then she took her own hair and, and wiped his feet clean and took this 
alabaster box and, and opened it up and poured whatever ointment she could afford at the time on his feet and anointed the feet of Christ. It's a humbling thought when I think about how the defiled washing the undefiled, the impure anointing the pure. But she brought what she had with what she could and brought it to a Savior. And guys, in here this on a Sunday morning, she didn't care what other people in the house might have been thinking. Amen? She had to get to Jesus and show him what he meant to her. Praise the Lord. Secondly, look at the criticism of this Pharisee. Look at verse 39 with me again. Go back there real quick. Verse 39 and 40. Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, if he were a prophet, would have known, first of all, her name, who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering... Uh, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on, go ahead. What do you got to say to me? Not realizing God read every rotten, critical word in his heart. Heard everything. Amen. So the, the Pharisee was questioning the validity of Jesus even being a prophet because of his tolerance of this sinner woman. She had defiled Jesus. And if he'd have known who that really was, and I'm sure Simon could have called her by name. And what kind of woman she was, well, he wouldn't have allowed something like that to happen. But hey, guys, Jesus was much more than just a prophet. This was the Savior who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And she was exactly who Jesus wanted to be in the house. Amen? Uh, She's exactly the kind of person he wanted to come there. He didn't come to heal those who were already well. Jesus came to find the sick. Those that feel rotten about themselves and feel like God could never use somebody like me. He was excited to see someone like her walk in the house. And while others were eating meat for their bodies, Jesus had meat to eat of that they knew not of. Notice the criticism of the Pharisee. It was said in silence. And he thought, I can say whatever I want to say inside my heart and my mind and nobody's going to hear me. Except Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus heard everything that he said. And just so we can be reminded, it might just be a good little thought to throw out here real quick. Jesus hears every little word in your heart today. From the moment you walked in and saw brother or sister so-and-so, what they were wearing, what they looked like, what they said, I don't know the thoughts that went through your mind and the words that came out of your heart, just just between you and you, you know. Jesus hears everything you've been saying. Jesus knows what you've been saying about the Word of God today. Hey, Jesus knows what you're thinking about, what you think about yourself today. He's listening really closely to your heart because He loves you, and it's your heart that He wants to change. Is your heart open to Him Are you willing to let the the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart be exposed to the Lord? Matthew 12, 36 and 37, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Ezekiel, God told Israel in Ezekiel 11, 5, For I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them, That's God's words, every one of them. So guys, it would do us good to know that every word uttered in our hearts about one of God's creatures is being recorded. Be sure to gauge what you allow your mind to think. Amen. Well, let's look now, if you will, I want to look at the lesson from the Savior. That's my favorite part uh, there in verses uh, 40 on on down into verse 50. We're not going to read that uh, for time's sake, but... But can you uh, look back up here for just a minute and remember, Jesus poses a scenario where a creditor uh, had a couple of debtors that owed him some money. Let's just say one owed him 500 bucks and, uh, and another one owed him 50 bucks. And he went to both of them and said, hey, you need to, guys, you need to pay up. And they both looked at him. They, uh, they pulled their pockets out and they were empty just like us at Christmas time. And uh, they, their wallets waved. There was nothing in them. We have nothing to pay. 
and mercy came flowing from his heart, and the Bible said he frankly forgave them all. Everything that they owed, he forgave all that, uh, that they owed to him. And then he says, which one of those forgiven do you think Simon is going to love him most? And his words were, well, I suppose the one that owed him the most. And Jesus said, you've judged rightly. You hit the nail on the head. The one that owed him most. You know what? I was thinking about this. I wonder which one of us in here today, which ones of us in here are the ones that owed him the most? You know what? What if we, and we're not going to do this, but let's just say, you know, for those of you that feel like, you know, you are, you're some of those that really uh, dirty, rotten, I mean, I'm a wretched sinner. We're going to call you the heavyweights. And then those of you that, you know, well, not, I'm not so bad. I've lived a decent life. I haven't robbed any banks lately. And I, I've lived a pretty good life uh, as much as I can. And uh, we'll call you the lightweights. And so what we're going to do uh, with all the lightweights, you get to go to Dairy Queen and enjoy a nice uh, afternoon with your ice cream sundaes by not being defiled with all these heavyweights in here because we're bringing all the heavyweights up to the platform. And all the heavyweights who feel like you are great sinners can just line up here on the platform. Don't really come up here. Amen. Uh, And we've got you all separated out. And everybody is going to just have a real peachy little time here today as we get to see who are the wretched sinners. But go with me to the book of James chapter 2. Hold your place in Luke. Right after the book of Hebrews is that little book of James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Everybody there? Look in James chapter 2. Drop down with me to verse... Oh, let's look in verse 10. I want to... Can we read this out loud together? James chapter 2 and verse 10. Good and loud, the Bible says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Ouch. Wait a minute. If I break one little tiny part of the law, I'm guilty as if I broke every point of the law. That kind of sounds that way, doesn't it? And yet offend in one point, he is guilty of them all. As if I broke every sin in the book, every law in the book. And so when I stop and think about that, man, that that means every one of us are heavyweights. And every one of us belong on the platform. And sorry to disrupt your Dairy Queen uh, Sunday, but everybody belongs on the platform. All of us are heavyweights. All of us are wretched sinners. Every one of us here today have sinned in a tremendous fashion. Let me just say this quickly. Be careful who you blacklist from coming to Jesus. As if so-and-so is too far gone to really ever get saved. Someone like that could never, ever really know the Lord. In El Paso, we have, I would say, several thousand what we call panhandlers. I don't know if you have them here. They're on the corners of the streets, and the hold-up signs will work for food. Uh, Anything helps, and most of them have a little puppy with them now. And it's just a popular thing now. Uh, And... And I look at some of those guys, and I, I've had two different ones of them come to the office, and I've had a chance to deal with uh, two of them. And one of them's like, Brother Spencer, I've got to get out of this lifestyle. I cannot stand this lifestyle. And he says, I really want to do right. He's, and he even told me about the day he got saved, and it sounded so genuine. And, and, I, and I asked him, and it's been over a year ago, I'm trying to remember his name if it'll pop into my head. But I'm going to call him Joe. Well, I'm just going to say, Joe, <clears throat> what do you guys do when you're out there panhandling? He says, we're trying to make enough money for the night. I said, what do you mean by the night? He says, well, either for alcohol or for drugs. And I said, how many guys on the street corners doing this do you think are out there for that reason? Probably most of them. And when I drive by those guys, I want so bad to be Jesus. I want to give them a dollar or something. I you know, a lot of people go by and give them a Krispy Kreme or something like that, try to help the guys out. 
But uh, you think, are those guys worth really investing the time into? Somebody like that, that they're going to spend the whole night uh, strung out on drugs and, and drinking. And Are they really worth spending time for? And Jesus said, yes, even they are worth it. Be careful who you blackball, who you say, they're never going to come to know the Lord. Because there's a woman who lived the most wretched lifestyle and saw what Jesus could do and got saved. And anybody who hears the gospel can get saved and trust Christ as Savior. Why, let's put this uh, in plain sight. Why did this woman do what she did? Stop and think with me, if you will. She was a sinful woman. But somewhere prior to this story, she had heard the words of Jesus, heard about the great forgiveness that's offered to all who would come to him. She possibly had even heard the words, Come unto me, all ye that labor labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, can you imagine the guilt that was in this woman's heart going to a home again, possibly with little children, which was not uncommon for a woman like that. Walking into a house and there's other little ch- children scampering around and mommy, where have you been? And honey, a uh, uh, husband may say, uh, how long is this lifestyle going to last? And on and on and the filth that she feels like and the memories of all of those dark nights of her life were weighing heavy on her. And she hears those words, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. And she believed him and placed faith in that Savior. And that guilt was lifted off of her and the burden that she once had was gone. And the darkness and filthiness of her heart now felt so clean inside of her. She felt so good. Man, how those words, or at least the spirit about him that just screamed of mercy, spoke to her very soul. And with all the weight of her sinful life bearing down on her, she had come to Jesus, and having nothing to pay him, he frankly forgave her of all. Praise the Lord. Every filthy deed she had done was now gone. So when she knew, guys, that Jesus had gone into the house of the Pharisee, she knew she now had the opportunity to somehow show the great gratitude for what he had done for her. And she wasn't going to let anyone stop her. <clears throat> I don't care if Simon's going to sit over there and criticize me. I don't care if all of his friends gathered around the table are going to make fun of me and wonder what somebody like me is doing in a house like this. I just want to get to Jesus. So when we see all that she did in this story today, the reason... She wept the great tears. The reason she wiped his feet with her hair and anointed his feet with ointment, the reason she did all that in spite of all the judgmental eyes glaring at her was because, don't, get, don't miss this, she had been forgiven of so much. And she had to get to Jesus to show him her gratitude. Let's wrap it up today. I have a question as we... Wrap some things up here. What do your actions in this Christian life indicate about your attitude toward Jesus? What kind of lifestyle that you're living, what does it say about your attitude about what Jesus has done for you? Has the attitude of the Pharisees slipped into your heart? Have we lost sight of where we were before we were saved on our way to a devil's hell filled with the wretchedness of our own sin? Somebody may say, you know, well, that was Jesus. And and, and if I had Jesus in front of me today, I'd have no problem kneeling down and, and showing him my great love and appreciation for what he has done for me. But he's not here to do that with. But I want you to remember Matthew 25, 40 says, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, Jesus said, You've done it unto me. So when you do something for a brother, and let's just bring it home today, okay? Whenever you do something for somebody in the house of God, somebody part of this body of believers, Jesus said, That's just like doing it for me. And I know Jesus says, I'm not here in person for you to be able to show your love and gratitude to and through. But my body is still here. And when you do some act of uh, love and show gratitude toward other people, it's just like you're doing it to me. 
I wonder what the wives can say today about their husbands and the actions that a husband demonstrates toward one of the body of believers at this church, though it's your spouse. I wonder what the husbands could say about a wife. Well, if you just knew the kind of things he says to me and about me, or she says, or the way she acts, or the way she doesn't act, if you just knew, but I'm telling you, Jesus knows, and God has given every one of us an ingredient to enable us to show the kind of love Jesus would show to everyone in here. If he were here today, God has given me an ingredient to be able to demonstrate my love to you with this ingredient called grace. And when God's grace sweeps over me and I realize what I've been forgiven of and what I was deserving and I should have been the one that went to hell and I realized that there was a Savior that came down from heaven, a pure Savior, righteous and holy in every way and stepped down into a defiled world and gave his life for somebody like me. I had nothing to pay him and he frankly forgave me all. And when I know what Jesus has done for me, he looks at me and says, now go and show my love, your love and gratitude to the folks that are around you. It's just like you're doing it to me. Maybe the person you demonstrate love and gratitude to doesn't respond in an understanding way, you know, like Jesus did. But Jesus still responds in a godly way. And he's writing up in heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant. One of the highest forms of demonstrating true Christianity is to love the body like Christ loves us. And we'll never really experience the greatest, the greatest of God's blessings to us until we can learn to love the people he gave his life for. So what are the difficulties this morning that would keep you from demonstrating unhindered, uninhibited, unconditional gratitude to one of the members of Christ's body? And can I just ask you this morning, friend, when is the last time you just dropped down on your knees and gathered around his feet and thanked him for all that he has done for you? I'm going to ask if you'd just uh, go ahead and stand with me this morning. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And uh, we're going to offer a, a verse of invitation here in just a moment. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody's looking about. Can I just say to us again here today, friend, please understand, Jesus is in the room with us here today. Can anybody say amen to that? The Lord Jesus Christ that paid so high a price to to, to bring me to a place where I am in fellowship with my God is in this room today. Is there anybody here that would just say, man, it's, it's just been a long time since I've been able to come and bow down at his feet and just tell him, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. I, I, maybe somebody in the room that God's speaking to your heart about loving on another one of the church members here today, but God spoke to your heart today. Maybe you're here today and you don't know him as Savior. And if you died today, you have no assurance you'd be in heaven. I'm just telling you, today can be the day you could trust him and know him as your Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you'll take what you've demonstrated to us here this morning and burn on our hearts here today a great sense of gratitude and love for what Christ has done for us. Would you just receive a humble Christian's love and gratitude to one who's done so much for us? And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While we sing... uh,